Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Well, uh, I want to talk to you for a minute this morning. I, I changed, uh, actually, I guess yesterday, maybe the day before, uh, what I wanted to talk to you about today. Uh, we were going to continue through our um, House of Prayer series, but I felt circumstances uh, and the Holy Spirit suggested otherwise. And so I want to talk to you briefly this morning about the biblical response to what's going on in the world today with the whole uh, coronavirus situation. It's been all over the news it has dramatically altered the lives of millions of people. As of yesterday, worldwide, uh, COVID-19 had infected roughly 156,000 people around the globe, uh, resulted in approximately 5,800 deaths around the world. In this country so far, we've had roughly 1,700 people infected, approximately 51 deaths as the last time I checked. The NBA, the NHL, the NCAA have all canceled some of their most important games, their biggest games of the season. Colleges and universities have sent students home. Disneyland has locked its gates and the lights of Broadway are off. People are in panic mode. Grocery store shelves have been stripped bare and uh, toilet paper, of all things, <laughs> has become a rare and valuable commodity. This is a stock photo. I could not find three rolls to stack together and photograph. Like I've never seen before in my lifetime. Like I have never seen before in my lifetime. The nation's rage and the people's imagined vain things. Fear and anxiety have gripped great masses of people, yet the unchanging eternal word of God still commands you. Do not be anxious about anything. To be more precise, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I'm standing in line for toilet paper. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Though the game's not on and the play's been canceled, rejoice in the Lord. Though your St. Patrick's Day plans have been shot to pieces, I will say it again, rejoice. When the people around you are fearful, do not be anxious about anything. When nobody seems to know what to do in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The world may be in an uproar, but Jesus still says to you, take heart. I have overcome the world. This morning I want to take a little bit of time and talk to you about what's happening right now and to share with you a biblical perspective on the coronavirus situation and to get us focused and moving. Would you stand with me please in honor of the Word of God? We're going to read together Psalm 34, 1 to 10, just to get us moving. Psalm 34, verses 1 to 10. I'll read the plain text. If you join me in reading the highlighted portions, that way we'll walk through the passage together. Psalm 34, beginning at verse 1. This is what the Bible says. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. 
He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Praise the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. This past Thursday, I had a fantastic visit with a group of ladies over at Sharon Village. It was the Super Six plus a couple of their buddies. Uh, we had a fantastic time. They asked me to come. We sat down, we talked together about things going on in the world, in the city, and we closed our time together by reading this passage from Psalm 34 and praying together. I told them, I will hang out with them anytime. It was wonderful. As soon as I'm allowed in the building, which I'm not allowed in the building right now, I'm going over and I'm going to play categories with them because my wife won't play with me at home. Uh, um, and so I'm excited about that. But listen, no matter what's happening in the world, the Lord says to you, fear not. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the Lord still says, do not fear. This psalm begins, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. That means I will extol the Lord this morning and every day after this. I will extol the Lord at all times. Say, at all times. I will pray, uh, His praise will always be on my lips. Say, always. Last time I checked, today is a part of always and tomorrow. Is a part of at all times. So what's all the fuss about? If you've been watching the news or heaven help you reading stuff on the internet, first, God bless you. And let me, let me actually say this as an aside. You really, really need to remember. Listen, please. You really, really need to remember that the media tends to sensationalize stuff in order to keep you reading or keep you watching. Listen now, listen, I am not saying they're dishonest, but I am saying they intentionally play on and intentionally stir up your emotions. And if you don't take that into consideration, you're not reading or watching responsibly. But if you have been watching the news or reading on the internet, you likely already know a little bit about the coronavirus pandemic. On December 31st, 2019, health officials in China finally alerted the World Health Organization about a new pattern of pneumonia in the city of Wuhan, a pattern they'd never seen before. By January 7th, 2020, health officials announced they'd identified a new virus in the coronavirus family. They designated the new virus 2019 NCOV, although you're probably more familiar with the designation COVID-19. Technically, the name of the virus is 2019-NCOV. COVID-19 is the name of the disease one gets when one contracts the virus. It stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. As a family of viruses, coronaviruses have been known to medical science for quite a while. For example, the common cold is typically connected to a coronavirus. But this particular strand is new, and that's where much of the fear comes in. 
Because it's new, COVID-19 presently has no vaccination and no cure, although I would also remind you we still don't have a cure for the flu, which can also be very deadly. And until just a few years ago, when Tamiflu came on the market, if you went to the doctor and they diagnosed you with the flu, they said, there's nothing we can do for you. Go home, get a lot of rest, and drink plenty of fluids. And even Tamiflu is not a cure. It simply lessens your symptoms if taken within the first 24 hours of their appearance. This past Wednesday, March 11th, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 to be a pandemic. You should know there are three major categories of rapidly spreading diseases. An outbreak in which a disease spreads unusually rapidly in a, a particular region. An epidemic in which a disease spreads unusually rapidly in a larger area, maybe a nation. And a pandemic in which a disease spreads unusually rapidly across the globe. Here's what that means. The categorization of a disease as a pandemic does not mean it is any more dangerous than an epidemic, simply that it is more widespread. The designations outbreak, epidemic, and pandemic are unrelated to the danger of the disease. They simply relate to how widespread they are. Early indications are that the vast majority of people who contract COVID-19 will be asymptomatic. That means they will have no symptoms at all, or else they will experience fairly mild symptoms. This is especially true with people who are younger than 70 and in reasonably good health. It's also reason to understand that the early estimates of the mortality rate of this disease, the mortality rate is essentially the percentage of people who contract the disease who are likely to die from it. Early estimations of the mortality rate of COVID-19 were severely exaggerated and are continuing to drop. As more and better testing becomes more widely available, we'll likely find a lot more people affected than originally known, which will also mean the mortality rate will continue to drop significantly. Those most at risk from COVID-19 are the elderly, people with depressed immune systems, and people with existing respiratory challenges or chronic conditions, such as heart disease, kidney disease, or diabetes. Folks in these high-risk categories should be especially diligent about employing the self-protective measures suggested by the CDC and included in the email letter we sent out from the church, the pastors and elders sent out from the church this past Friday. These measures include regularly, often vigorously washing your hands with soap and warm water for 20 seconds or more at a time, sing the ABCs, sing the Dexology, count to 20, Mississippi. Staying home to recuperate after you, if uh, anytime you feel like you may be sick or anytime after you've had a fever at any time in the previous 24 hours. And then practicing reasonable social distancing behaviors, ranging from not shaking hands to avoiding large gatherings of people and avoiding unnecessary travel. So why all the fear? After all, the truth is we've dealt for the flu for all of our lifetimes. We've dealt for the flu as long as any of us have been around, and already this year alone, the flu has claimed more than 20,000 lives in this country. Again, that's 20,000 deaths this year from the flu in America, 51 from COVID-19. 
And while the flu can be very dangerous for young children, current indications are that COVID-19 is not. So why all the fuss? Why all the fear? From a rational perspective, as far as I can tell, the four main reasons for the tremendous concern surrounding COVID-19 are number one. It is apparently highly communicable. And by highly communicable, I mean the last most recent estimate I heard uh, is, is that it is uh, slightly more communicable than the flu. But it has spread rapidly around the globe. Because it's transmitted through the air, it's the easiest kind of disease to contract. Number two, it's new. And therefore, the truth is we actually know very little about it at this point. We still don't know precisely how contagious it is. Although uh, the last report I heard suggested it may be around one and a half to two times more communicable than the flu. We still don't know its real mortality rate. The mortality rate of the flu is approximately 0.1%, meaning on average one out of every 1,000 people infected uh, will die from the flu. We don't know how to address it directly. We don't know how to treat it, in other words. We don't have a vaccine to prevent it. So all efforts to combat COVID-19 at this point are really about trying hard not to catch it. Number three, and most significantly, it does have a mortality rate. We don't know exactly what that rate is, but we know for certain that some people who contract COVID-19, especially among the elderly or the infirm, will die from its adverse effects on the respiratory system. Number four, and the real reason for all the closing, it has the potential to overwhelm our health care system. And I'll speak to that in just a few minutes. But while those four are frankly very rational reasons for heightened awareness and concern, there are also a lot of very irrational fears at work in our society. I believe the two most significant are, number one, the fear of the unknown, and number two, the fear of death. Both are very common fears, and both are completely contrary to the gospel. The fear of the unknown, for example, simply betrays the illusion many people have that they know more than they think they do, and that because of what they know, they can control their lives. The world is full of people, and sadly, churches are full of people who believe the lie that they are or can be in control of their own lives. And the truth is, especially here in America, where life is often honestly, shockingly easy, it often seems like we are in control. A little bit of planning, a little bit of budgeting, some easy credit here and a 401k there and mirabile dictu, it feels a lot like you're in control of your life and your future. Honestly, for an awful lot of people, most of their lives feel that way. But then from time to time, little reminders pop up. A bad report from a doctor, a major roadblock in your marriage, your daughter-in-law leaves your son and your grandchildren, your company unexpectedly downsizes, or a new virus out of China begins to sweep its way around the world. And suddenly, reality steps back into the picture and slaps you right in the face. 
In the Bible, James wrote to people who imagined they were in control of their own lives. Part of what he said was this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. Let me just ask you, one week ago, last Sunday, how many of you would have ever imagined there would not be an NCAA basketball tournament this year? But James points out the obvious, although virtually no one wants to admit it. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. I tell you, I've spent an enormous amount of time working on this this week, and and, and I told Pastor Matt last night, I just want six hours where everything doesn't change. I recorded multiple videos to send to you to update you and give you some, and before we could get them sent, the underlying information changed. Literally, one changed while Jessica's finger was hovering over the send button. Uh, I happened to walk down the hall. I had quoted some some guidance from the Mecklenburg County Health Department in there. Happened to walk down the hall. Someone was playing a radio, uh, uh, and I heard someone come on from the Mecklenburg County Health Department and change the guidance. Before, uh, literally, in the blink of I've never seen anything like this where it changes so much. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Listen, I don't know what's going to happen in ten minutes. At the end of the day, the fear of the unknown is the fear of not being in control. And listen to me. The fear of not being in control is actually the failure to recognize who is. But when you recognize, when you believe and act like God is in fact in control, that he's bigger and stronger and far more awesome than anything in this world or outside of it, then the unknown is no longer a thing to be feared. It's just another thing that's underneath the feet of Jesus. And that brings me to the fear of death. We live in a culture that's incredibly uncomfortable with the concept of death, a culture that prefers to believe the lie that somehow they can cheat death, But did you know, this is fascinating, did you know that the death rate in this country has remained constant since the very first English colonists landed at Jamestown in 1607? It's held steady all these years at exactly one death per person. It is unchanged in human history. The truth is, every person in this room is going to die. And to deny that, to refuse ever even to think about it, is foolish and irrational. I believe for many Americans, the coronavirus has brought the reality of their mortality front and center, and they don't know what to do about it which is why I also believe it's provided us a tremendous gospel opportunity. When people are confused and afraid, especially about life's big questions, am I really in control of my life? What happens when I die? 
When people are confused and afraid about the big questions, that's when you and I can shine. Because the truth is, you and I have the answers. In fact, we have the only answers that offer peace and hope and joy. The truth is, you're not in control. But you can know the one who is. He made you and he loves you and he wants to lead you through this life. The truth is, you are going to die. Someday, from one cause or another. But the truth also is, the one who made you, offers you a brand new life with him. A life of righteousness and peace and joy. An eternal life that goes on forever. Long after this life has ended. The truth is, you are going to die. But you don't need to be afraid of it. Jesus has taken away the stinger. If only you'll trust in and follow him. So let me move toward closing by sharing a few more thoughts on how to respond biblically to the coronavirus. And my first word of encouragement is to respond in faith. At the church, we're keeping tabs on the guidance coming from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the World Health Organization, the White House Coronavirus Task Force, as well as reputable state and local authorities. And you need to know I am super grateful for all of them and for all the work they are doing on our behalf. And I got to tell you, with all the fear-mongering and all the sensationalism and all the overreacting I've seen or heard in the media, these reputable organizations and their spokespeople have always been level-headed and rational. The one thing, however, that I've not heard from any of them is any reference to Jesus or the Word of God. Now, to be clear, I don't fault them for that. That's not their place or area of understanding. But it is a weakness and a limitation in their guidance. And you should keep that in mind. Lots of Christians these days are spending time in Psalm 91. And I think that's a great idea. It's a powerful reminder that God protects his people. Psalm 91 begins this way. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. From there it goes on to reassure the believer of the Lord's protection from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Pretty timely encouragements, I'd say. As a follower of Jesus, you can and you must walk by faith and trust in Jesus. He loves you and he watches over you, even when things are hard. And no matter what you're walking through, he promises to be there and walk through it with you. He has you in the palm of his hand. You need not fear. At Resurrection Church, we're committed to your safety and we're taking precautions in a number of ways. For instance, we're taking new precautions related to the celebration of Holy Communion. But listen to me. Either Jesus is really present 
in the bread and in the wine, or else he's not. And I urge you to partake in tremendous confidence and faith. So while I urge you to walk in faith, I also urge you not to walk in foolishness or presumption. This past week, Pastor Matt told me about a meme he saw on the internet. It said, word of faith, people, be all like. And then it showed a picture of a kid licking the rail, the handrail on the subway system. That's not faith. The same God who promised his people health and wholeness in the Old Testament gave them all kinds of laws and regulations about what kinds of food to eat and what kind of foods to avoid, how to wash cooking utensils and pots, and when to quarantine people with certain infectious conditions. Listen to me. Trust the Lord and wash your hands. Pray in faith and cover your cough. Live your life in absolute faith and confidence in God. And do the wise and practical things smart people are telling you to do. In many ways, COVID-19 is kind of like a really bad flu. Technically, it's more like a, a new pneumonia. But you can think of it pretty accurately as a bad flu. And while, as I like to say, the flu is nothing to sneeze at, <laughs> we've been living with it all our lives. The serious danger to the vast majority of people from COVID-19 is honestly quite low. But for the sake of all the people around you, everyone needs to be vigilant. Just because you are in a low-risk category, and the low-risk categories are actually exceedingly low-risk categories, just because you're in one of those categories doesn't mean you never come into contact with someone who isn't. And as Christians, we must care for people other than just ourselves. And let me just say this again, if you're in one of those high-risk categories, you're elderly, you have a depressed immune system, you suffer from chronic issues like heart or, or, or kidney or liver problems, or if you are in regular contact with such a person, perhaps as a primary caregiver, you want to be especially diligent. But still you may wonder, why all the mass closings? And why did the governor of North Carolina mandate last night, by law, that we stop holding gatherings of 100 or more people? That's a great question. The cancellations and bans are large, of large gatherings, listen, you need to understand this. This is important because this is where so much of the fear comes in. The NBA shuts down and everybody thinks, holy cow. The governor says no more, uh, they, they're closing the public schools for two weeks and they're, they're uh, forbidding mass gatherings of more than 100 people uh, indefinitely, begin, but actually I think for 30 days beginning tomorrow, well actually beginning right away. Uh, um, uh, why? We hear that and we think, holy cow, what is going on? Listen, the cancellations and bans on large gatherings are not primarily designed to protect you from the consequences of COVID-19. They are primarily designed to slow the spread of this disease in order to protect our medical system from being overrun. Listen carefully. The issue is not that COVID-19 is the worst thing you could possibly get. 
but rather that it is one more thing you could possibly get. A bad flu season, anytime we have a bad flu season, it already taxes the capacity of our hospitals. Add to that an additional crowd of COVID-19 patients, possibly twice as many as those who go to the hospital for the flu, and you run the risk of crashing the system. That is to say, you run the risk of bringing in way more people than the hospitals have the capacity to serve. That's the reason. They're not panicking over how incredibly terrifying this disease is. They're panicking over the potential devastation of our healthcare network. The rational concern isn't that the virus is going to make your eyeballs explode or turn you into a zombie, but rather that it's going to bring a whole new an unexpected group of people to the hospital. And on top of all the flu patients already there, not to mention people with heart issues or strokes, people having babies or who get into car accidents. So the encouragement to avoid large groups of people is a practical way to try to slow the spread of this new disease and thereby hopefully maintain the integrity of our already taxed medical system. And with that in mind, you may wonder, why are we having church this morning? That's also a great question. As followers of Jesus, we're committed to be good citizens. We want to honor our civil authorities whenever possible, and we're committed to blessing our community. But gatherings for corporate worship are not at all like going to a play or going to a ball game. We gather at church as the people of God, to encounter God and worship God and hear from God. Corporate worship is a Bible command. Attending a ball game is not. And I fear that most Christians fail to understand the power and the importance of corporate worship. Whether or not they know it, our community needs us to gather as the people of God. Your public worship of the one true God is a testimony. Your public worship of the one true God, one true God releases things into the atmosphere. And your public worship of the one true God attracts the manifest presence of God, as Vivian explained a few weeks ago. You need corporate worship, and our community needs it as well. Worshiping God is the people of God is one crucial way to love God and to love people. Nevertheless, given the ever-changing nature of this present crisis and given the governor's mandate late yesterday, we will be making adjustments going forward in terms of how we provide opportunities for corporate worship in the near future and what those experiences of corporate worship look like. We will be the church, and we will worship as the Lord directs it. But for a season, we are going to adjust what that looks like. Finally, as I've already mentioned, and by the way, the elders met yesterday, and we said we're going to meet every week as this goes on, and so we will uh, be letting you know in the next couple of days what sorts of adjustments we'll make to our public gatherings. 
Finally, as I've already mentioned, the present crisis provides you and me with an incredible gospel opportunity to share the peace and joy of God with a people lacking peace and joy, to share the good news of the gospel with a people terrified of death, to reach out and share the love of God with people drawing away from the world, a lost and confused and frightened people, as lost and confused and frightened people retreat into an every man for themselves sort of behavior, you can go and share your toilet paper. I was talking with Vicki Hedgepath earlier this week. She lives in Monroe, North Carolina, and on top of all this coronavirus stuff, the people in Union County this week have had E. coli in their water. Vicki lives in the city, so she's not affected by it, but she's using it as an open door to reach out and love her community. She bought a whole bunch of bottled water and is giving it away, offering it to anyone who needs it. She's even told folks if they need a safe place to shower, they can come to her house. They just have to bring their own towel. I think that's awesome. You need to reach out to the people in your neighborhood, the people in your family, the people you know who are in those high-risk categories. And you need to offer to go grocery shopping for them and ask how else you can help them. Let them stay in the security of their own homes while you go pick up their dry cleaning or go pick up their prescriptions from the drugstore. As the world freaks out and hoards Purell, turn this into a kingdom moment. As the Apostle Paul instructed, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, those who don't yet know Jesus, and make the most of every opportunity. And finally, I would say, fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you as we always thank you for the power and clarity of your word. Lord, that you speak peace to your people, but also wisdom. And so, Lord, in, the, in these unique times, times that are in so many ways different than anything any of us have experienced before, we ask not only for peace and joy, but also for wisdom as we walk as the people of God in the midst of this frightened and confused world. May we be a blessing in our community. May we be light in dark places. May we be hope to those who are hopeless. Use us to glorify yourself and bless and help the people around us. And watch over and take care of us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.